0: Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This week's episode is brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Brought to you by Combat Flip Flops bad for running and even worse for fighting combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military inspired quality footwear for men and women to help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today be sure to use the code unity at checkout and get 25 percent off and brought to you by gfda good fucking design advice The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. So we did it. We're here. (laughs) We got it done. Well, finally, <laughs>
1: I, t- I take ownership over that one.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. You know what? It, I'll be honest with you. Miss um, um, Jeff Depatty and I took, I think we had to reschedule, I, I want to say six or seven times. Dang. Okay. So. I feel a little, little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stress. Life happens. That's okay. We can, we always can make it work. It's not the end of the world. I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad that uh, we got time to sit and chat because- It's been a while. You and I have been connected for a little bit, but it's been a while that we've actually gotten to sit down and talk to one another.
1: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, several years, anyways, we've known each other. Uh solving a
0: bunch of different problems back then.
1: (laughs) Now we got a whole new set of them.
0: We got a whole new world of hurt coming at us both. (laughs) I know. (laughs) but I'm so glad to have you on. It's, it's really been a journey. It's been an interesting process to watch you come from the moment that I met you. Um, that was right around the time that, you know, you were going through your first amputation and you were, you were kind of dealing with all of that trauma, um, associated with it and moving into, you know, the, the Tillman award and and all of those great things happening to you. And your life is kind of, spiked upwards since. And so I'm really glad to have you on because, um, I've spoken about you before you, you were a brand ambassador for us for a long time. And a lot of people know who you were in terms of the military. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into your past and what you feel comfortable talking about, but as to why you are where you are now, and then we can kind of take it from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, a lot of people like, I mean, I can't walk into a room without somebody looking at my leg and like, wanting to know what happened. Um, so while I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, the military is just one chapter of my life, I'm very proud of my service. And I'm very proud of um, everything that I learned. And, and of course, like where it catapulted me to um, today. Um, you know, I'll, I'll keep kind of that, that part of it a little bit abbreviated, because that's the easiest one to look up and find. Um, but yeah, I served six years in the United States Marine Corps, a helicopter door gunner, did two deployments to Afghanistan. And on my last deployment, uh, six weeks away from coming home, my helicopter went down, and I suffered, um, you know, a variety of injuries. Everything from a pretty severe traumatic brain injury, spinal cord damage, damage to my arms, my ears, my eyes, um, and then ultimately, um, you know, I went through, through hell, you know, trying to um, get to where I am now as a stable, if you will, amputee. Went through four different amputations, and now I'm an above the knee amputee, and. Um, you know, I, I fought tooth and nail to actually be able to stay in the Marine Corps. I didn't want to get out. I thought I was going to serve 20 years. Um, and, you know, I, I had just been combat meritoriously promoted to sergeant, which is pretty rare for, for a female, especially. Um, and definitely in in the role that I was in. And, um, you know, I thought for sure that there was no way that they could kick me out or, you know, kick me out. But, you know, medically retire me or any of that. Um, and sure enough, they did. And in that moment, I was totally lost, um, you know, to be totally transparent. I try to take my own life. And, you know, my dad gave me that tough love. He busted my ass um, that I really needed. And, you know, famous words, you know, you've got to be shitting me. You know, the enemy couldn't kill you and now you're going to do it for him. And that's the moment that I decided I was going to turn my life around, um, you know, and I struggled with A number of, you know, different things, everything from substance abuse, alcohol abuse back then and had to really uh, do some soul searching to figure out what I was going to do to turn all that around and uh, turn to the outdoors of all things. And I'm originally from Florida, decided that uh, I wanted to learn to snowboard of all things. And lo and behold, I got. Yeah, right. Yeah. No clue about mountains or snow. Um, And, you know, I got out there and it was the most freeing and empowering thing. Like I actually felt independent again, regardless of my injuries or whatever trauma I had experienced. And um, over time, I started competing in border cross and bank solemn and, um, you know, medals got to the point where they didn't mean anything either. And it just kind of felt like I was just, just another drop in the bucket. So I decided that I wanted to turn to the mountains in a different way. And, uh, you know, it led me to climbing and snowboarding the tallest mountains in the world and put me on this path of completing the seven summits. So the highest peak on each of the seven continents and, um, through all the stuff in the outdoors and the mountains, it really, uh, know, showed me what I was capable of. It gave me this whole new confidence that I could go forth and do anything that I damn well please. I just had to figure out, you know, a how I was going to do it differently than the average person. Um, But then that anything is really possible given you're willing to work for it. You know, and I have put blood, sweat, and tears into everything that I've done, whether it's you know the doctorate that I'm so close to finishing, or again the athletics, my nonprofit, or even any of the businesses that um, you know I've been involved in, and. And I, I honestly don't think that I would be who I am today without my injuries, I know that I wouldn't be who I am today without my injuries. I mean, for crying out loud, I'd probably be sitting over in fucking Ukraine or Syria or something, you know, I'd still be in the Marine Corps. Um, but you know, these injuries have actually like really given me a gift um, of you know being able to have a very different, unique platform to to serve people in a different way. I mean, don't get me wrong; I would love to be flying and shooting a fifty caliber machine gun over doing some of this like monotonous day in and day out work. But um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for for the lessons learned and the people that it's brought into my life i mean for crying out loud i wouldn't know who you are and you know i wouldn't be sitting in front of you you know having this conversation had some pretty awful things not happened to me so um, that was I think that was decent in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> I think it's a good way. I love that you say just like look it up because I mean at some point you do enough of these and it just becomes that people are going to read what's online and whether it's true about you or not. I'm not even saying that about you, but I'm just saying in general they're just going to Google it anyway. So I'm glad yeah. that you you, you explain it the way that you do because you've done so much and every sing, every single every single thing that you've done it seems like it's been for a greater good or a purpose. And I I don't know that, like you said, that you would have ended up being who you are now. And I mean, there's something to be said about being able to run and gun and then just live the monotonous life of not having to worry about every day and bills and society and just being able to be in charge of just your weapon and the people beside you. I can understand the want and comfort around that and where that lies. Um, I'm glad you're not. I think you're bringing a lot more light to society, uh, as we need that on a continual basis, especially with the programs that you're running. I mean, since the moment that I met you, you were, like I said, you hadn't quite lost your leg yet. You were doing, I believe was the walk to remember in the UK. Yeah. Uh, walking with the wounded. That's it. Yeah.
1: So yeah, around that time. Okay. Yeah. So like time going back to my recovery a little bit. Um, so yeah, so I've at this point I've been through 46 surgeries. Um that in itself is is I'm gonna go ahead and own that, that's quite a feat. Um, I mean, I can't even believe that I'm still sitting in front of you and talking <laughs> given all of the anesthesia that I've dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when I first got hurt, I had this huge hole in my face. I had lost my jaw, lost my teeth. Um I, I mean, I I I was in pretty bad shape. Um and the doctors first got a hold of me um you know they flew me into camp Bastion in southern helmand province of afghanistan and one doctor waved me off and was like she's not going to make it like and passed me off and went on to treat the other casualties and um a british plastic surgeon is actually the one that got a hold of me and treated me um and i thank god for her every single day of my life but when they got to my leg they had no clue what to do with it and so they basically just left it so for two two and a half weeks I was laying, you know, not moving, not doing anything, with basically a rotting leg. You know, this leg that had should have been either cut off or put you know, attempted to be put back together. It wasn't. The blood flow was all disrupted, um, you know, shattered bones, the whole nine. Also eventually when I arrived in San Diego. You know the doctors come in and they're like, "Hey, you know, we can do basically what they call Christopher Columbus surgery. So exploratory stuff. We can do some um, experimental work, um, and you know, you can try and save your leg. And of course, you know, I tried. You know, as a young woman, 21, 22 years old, the last thing I want to do, you know, I have my my face is barely hanging on. I have no teeth. You know, I'm already concerned for the way that I look. The last thing I want to do is cut up like." have them cut my leg off, especially when I'm in a hospital surrounded by a bunch of dudes and don't get me wrong. I, I recognize the fact completely that guys deal with self-esteem and you know, self-confidence issues too, but it it's different for, again, a young, a young woman. Um, and so I refused and I fought it and I fought it. And I went through numerous surgeries um, to save my leg and it got to the point where they're like, you're, you're basically fighting me inevitable. Um, and you're probably causing a lot more damage to the rest of your body. So um, as a, I guess, a send, send off <laughs> for my leg, I decided that I, I was pretty much going to uh, you know give it one, one last hurrah. And I ended up spending 13 weeks over in the UK, walking a thousand miles across England, Scotland, and Wales um, to honor 25 Marines who either never made it home um, or they took their own life after we got back stateside. And I carried each one of these dog tags um, for 40 miles and left them with a palm. And, and the whole intent was that, um you know a stranger you know we fought hand in hand with with um the brits and to me it you know we we should honor their fallen you know the ones that died alongside us the ones that you know shed blood with us um and so yeah the goal was just to bring light and bring people back together um uh, really create you know as you're familiar with unity um ac- across the forces and when i got back home it was 10 days later uh, i ended up going in for surgery and um yeah, of course. That's when you came into my life. And um, yeah, that's, you know, I used to say that June 23rd, 2012, the date of my, my crash was like that de- defining moment in my life. And that wasn't um, really when all of my amputations started to happen uh, was when, um, you know, my life really, really changed. So after my initial amputation, when it was below the knee, I got super sick. I mean, we're talking every like MRSA and seven other kinds of infections, um, and it, it got bad. when I, You know, they told me that I wouldn't be alive on Christmas Day, 2015, um, and if I was, then I would wake up and I wouldn't even have my hip. And you were tiny. You were like I was sick. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a comfy, happy like 130 pounds right now, and yeah. I mean, I was probably 90 pounds at that point in time. Like, yeah. I, it was gross. It was. Oh, it was foul looking. Um, and it took me a long time just to recover from that, let alone like obviously getting back up on my prosthetic and, and everything. Um, but I'm very fortunate uh, for whatever reason, God decided to spare me for the third time. And, and I woke up and I'm very, again, very grateful that uh, when I woke up, I actually still had some of my femur. And that's really the moment that I was like, all right, for whatever reason, I'm still I'm still here. Like, I still have some kind of a purpose. So I need, I really need to figure out what the fuck that is. Um, and that's, you know, th- that entire time I was trying to figure out how to give back and how to still be of service and all of that. But because of that specifically happening, um, that's when I was like, all right, I got to get up off my ass and I got to do something for other people. Cause there's a lot of people out there, whether it, you know, it's an amputee or somebody that's differently able, a woman, a veteran, whoever, like there are people out there that need help and need somebody. Um, and so, yeah, so that's. <laughs> Like, yeah, when they finally let me out of that hospital and and I stole my prosthetic basically after two weeks, I was like, all right, <laughs>
0: like we got work to do. It was impressive, though. I mean, it's impressive to watch. It is when I've seen uh, when I've seen how far you've come and then watching you go through that. I remember the first time that you end up started going to climb again after that and watching you receive the Tillman Award. I was standing in my my in-law's living room and we were watching it on ESPN and I was like she pretty dress and she did it, and it just felt like a win. it felt like a win for vets. it felt like a win for female vets and it was it's kind of that situation when you become that person to others or you're seen as that person to others there's almost like this obligation now. you have to do better with it. you're given the opportunity. How could you not? Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. But And again, like, you know, I mean, obviously, like, you have to celebrate those those small wins, those small victories, but at the end of the day, they, they, they should just be building blocks or stepping stones for the bigger picture. Um, and, and, you know, I am, again, very proud of it and grateful for the accolades that I've, you know, received. And even since the Tillman Award, you know, I went on to receive the 2020 Higher Ground Award from the Martin Luther King family. I am still, to this day, the youngest inductee ever into the International Sports Hall of Fame. And and again, like those mean a lot to me, but again, it's just like little bits of the big picture. Um, and it's also, you know, they sit on my, in my office, on my desk and it's the reminder to keep going. Like, yeah, we made it this far, but that's not far enough. There's still, you know, a lot, again, a lot more work to do. Um, and, and I'm the kind of person who or, you know, I need, and I'm sure you you know, this by now, but like, I need that routine and I need that pressure and I need something to literally, you know, pun intended, hold my foot to the fire. So, you know, I take those things and, and yeah, I mean, they're just a solid reminder to, to keep going.
0: What's the next step for you? Because I know you've got a lot of different things, but I, I literally said next step. Like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It's so bad. I can't even stop no, anymore. It's good. Oh, God. What is the goal? I mean, because you do have all these foundations. You do have all of these um, partnerships. You do a lot of things. You had a film come out. You, you climb all these mountains. Like, what is the, What does the end goal look like for you? What do you want to achieve that would be enough for you? Well, you know, I was actually just having
1: this. So on this road trip that I just got off of this um, quite miserable 4,500 miles now, you know, in the truck over five days, um, you know, one of my you know quick pit stops was actually to see one of my some with my nonprofit. We basically host these recreational therapy clinics where we teach different people um, to do the sports that I do. Um, and, and that includes, again, amputees or differently abled folks, whatever it is, um, but one of the gals that went through my two th- uh, two thousand twenty um, amputee rock climbing clinic, uh, she was missing her hand. Uh, she actually lost it in a meat grinder. not oh, incident! Uh, yeah, 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 incident. Um, but taught her to climb, and I was like, "Holy shit, this girl is awesome! She's res- resilient. She's gritty." And so I, you know, offered to actually like personally sponsor her to to compete in para climbing. Um, and so on this road trip, I actually stopped in, and she was competing in nationals and. It was the coolest thing in the world to watch like somebody that I taught how to do the things that I do out there competing and crushing it. Um, and so like with your question to, to me, all of this, any 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 award that I've ever been, you know, ever received, um, any degree, any of that, like it doesn't mean anything to me if I'm not working to leave a legacy. You know, it'd be very selfish of me to go forth and get to travel the world and do all of these badass things if I'm not like giving it to the next generation or at least teaching mentoring somebody else to do the same things. Um, and so at the end of at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, and so, so I think like my, my biggest focus is moving forward are just going to be able to, I don't want to say underserved communities, but being able to, um, you know, facilitate these different opportunities f- um, for people around the world. Um, and when athletics start to hurt too much, you know, I've, I'm so close to finishing that doctorate in education. You know, the goal is to be able to inspire the next generation, just to have a hunger and an appreciation for for knowledge. Uh, so for me, it's just, I guess what's next is just being able to really fabricate, um, you know, how, how I'm going to to give the gifts that I've been given to other people. Um, I know that's kind of a vague answer, but I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps to serve people and, you know, I'm in a position now where I'm really proud of the fact that um, I can honestly say that I live my life for other people. I mean, <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I should probably uh, pay attention to myself a little bit more and my schedule <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but I'm really proud to be able to 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 be that person for for other people.
0: No, that's great. And I'm glad that you are. I said, like 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 I was saying to you before, like there's so many. There's so many men out there that are doing, you know, that are come from military that have backgrounds that are, you know, trying to do, you know, speaking and trying to go out and and help others and run clinics and things like that. But it's so different when it comes from a woman. I don't care what anyone says. Take, (laughs) take, Take that for whatever it is. I don't give a shit my listeners are 86% men like i don't care but the point it's the reality when you've got an individual who's been through something something real something serious and they're able to speak to it on a different level whether it's on a level of vulnerability or whether it's on a level of just like hey i've been in your sh- your shoes because i'm a woman and it's it everything runs different the way our bodies work when we have tbis are different the way the hormones work are different the way amputees have to get fitted are different sports are different well not anymore because people don't seem to think so um, That's different. (laughs) Leave that one alone. I'm glad you're it in
1: there though.
0: (laughs) Well, it's crazy to me, seriously. And the reason I kind of joke about it and it's not a joke is because I started riding in the velodrome and I really am addicted. Like I really enjoy it and I'd love to compete in it. And then I saw some stuff about the world cycling community and I was like, well, there goes that. So yeah. Okay, right? <laughs> oh, well, I'll toss that one out there. Maybe we'll try something new. I like, yeah, yeah. 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 That's good. Um, so, but I think it's important to acknowledge that. And I got no issue acknowledging that, especially when it comes from a female combat veteran. There's a different, it's a different conversation. Um I had an individual on yesterday, another female army um, veteran, really solid. And we spoke a lot about uh, sexual assault in um, the military and like the legitimacy behind it. And like just having that deep conversation about the reality of it. And, um, you know, in Canada, we have that, but it's not, it's not discussed. It's not an open conversation. It's not like it is in the States. I mean, we're fortunate enough to not have women just being found outside the bases dead, but we are definitely on a path to hiding hiding trauma and hiding things to protect others. So I think when women get brought into these types of conversations, it goes one of two ways. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong here. No, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It either goes, you're too loud. You're too aggressive. You're too manly. You're a pushover. You're a woman. Why would you do that job? Yeah. it's 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 one of the other. I often get this one. And if you're not watching, it's the loud one. In case anybody took a guess. Um, but you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that. I got no issue acknowledging that. But I love seeing, I love seeing the other things that you're doing for yourself, though. Too. Although I do wish you would take time and go down with Defenders of Freedom. But I'll push you on that later. Um, I I do really enjoy seeing things that you're doing with your climbing. Can Can you explain to me how you got into all this climbing and and these in the Seven Summits and what that looks like? How does someone Even attempt to start doing something along those lines? Yeah, Uh, gotta be part strong, stubborn, stupid. Really,
1: is what it comes down to. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, No. So. So yeah. So those. uh, You know, when I was talking about my recovery, you know, with losing more of my leg, uh, I'm that happened in late 2015, early 2016, and then unfortunately um in november of 2016 i had to have another surgery because i'm going to go ahead and say it there was just a ton of mil- um, uh, medical malpractice military malpractice i'll go again just go ahead and say it they are definitely practicing um on humans <laughs> so um yeah there was a uh, there was a lot of issues with that last amputation that they did and so i actually paid out of pocket um and had some great friends like step up and helped me out and went out to Kansas and had just a phenomenal doctor uh, redo my leg completely. And I was pretty devastated because at that time I was still um, competing in um, with alongside team USA and, and striving to go to Sochi at that time. And um, you know, that like, that was world cup season. Like I needed those points, and, you know, I, again, kind of was at rock bottom. I was just really upset because I felt like this whole dream of mine of wearing the team USA, you know, uniform, uh, was stripped of me again. Uh, and just everything was spiraling out of my control, hit this like crazy nightmare again. Um, and I got this wild hair to actually go climb the highest point down in Africa, um, Kilimanjaro, it's 19, over, just a little bit over 19,000 feet. And, uh yeah four months after that surgery i shouldn't have even been on my leg let alone hiking but i was just like, i gotta get the hell out of here i gotta go do something i gotta push myself never climbed a mountain like that never hiked a mountain like that uh hadn't even like definitely never went to africa at that point uh, but i went down there and was up and down the mountain in four and a half days and did a did what's called the wrong guy route and um when i got down there I, we actually ended up raising about $150,000 for clean water for the east tanzanians and that's when i was like the light bulb kind of went off like i could actually go down there and. Or go out to these mountains and challenge myself and push myself mentally, physically, and emotionally. But then I could also tether, you know, these human- humanitarian efforts behind um, and to each climb. Um, and then that, like, when I came home, I was like, all right, what else? You know, what other mountains are out there? And that's when I, you know, found the Seven Summits. So again, the highest peak on each of the seven continents. And then I just didn't stop. You know, four months later, I was in Indonesia climbing Karstens, the most technical and volatile mountain that the world almost has to offer at this point. Um, and then just kept going, you know, Russia, you know, the highest point in North America, Denali, um, went on to, yeah, South America, I just went all over the world and, um, was really just, uh, pretty moved by experiencing the different cultures, um, uh, different lifestyles, the customs and courtesies, all of that. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's like, you have to bust your ass to be able to, A, have the money to be able to do it, but then also like, again, you know, stay regimented and and find the routine and figure out how you're going to manage your time and manage your training um and right now i just don't stop like i don't let myself get out of you know mountain shape or any of that and um you know for me mountaineering really is um just a way to continue focusing my energy and my efforts like those are my personal summits people ask me all the time like oh what do you do to relax unwind and it's it's really that like when i go out and climb everest you know like in 2019 it was that's two months where no one can fuck with me, <laughs> you know, like I'll work all year long, but as long as two months I can sit in a tent and <laughs> no one stressed me out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I fell in love with it and I, I think I just fell in love with, um, it sounds very morbid, but the suffering of it, you know, just being able to, again, grit your teeth and like battle the demons in your head. And, and I mean, I can't even tell you some of the awful things that like I've actually worked through in the trauma that I've worked through in the mountains all on my own. Um, so I think it's a, it's a beautiful,
0: powerful addiction that I have now at this point. I mean, simplicity is key, right? I think that's the thing. Sometimes we overthink things as human beings, and for whatever reason, it may be because of comparison or what, but we 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 make things harder for ourselves. And and oh, yeah. I don't I don't really know why. So when you say that you work things out on your own in the mountains, I mean that makes complete sense to me, having that solitude and being able to sit with nothing but your thoughts. I mean, you're forced then to deal with things rather than constantly running yep. and avoiding right Absolutely. um so aren't you glad russia's over though so that you could get <laughs> yeah. it done yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't think we're gonna be allowed back there for a little while <laughs> oh yeah oh that would be a piss off though if that you got six and then you couldn't go do russia oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah
1: no i'd be uh, yeah i'd be pretty irate actually yeah that went down the drain fast huh? <laughs> Oh. Did that ever spiral out of control quickly?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus, tantamount to almost as bad as the goddamn pullout. But again, who am I? Talk yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry, yeah. I can't help myself when I'm around like-minded individuals. It just comes no. <laughs> out in me. No, you're good. I love it. Oh, it's ruthless. It's absolutely ruthless. So, so, what are you doing now? I know that you've been. I know you ran real estate with your mom, which, by the way, that's the cutest thing in the whole wide world. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually, she just snuck out of here.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. No, I am. Um, yeah. Gosh. So, real estate. I mean, I'm still in real estate. Still doing that. Um, I'm in the middle of actually selling my shares of my brewery. I don't even remember if you and I talked too much about that. But I also have a whiskey company working on opening my speakeasy. I'm um, here in uh, downtown Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And then, um, yeah, just really trying to finish up this doctorate. I mean, for whatever reason, I thought getting a doctorate after three masters was a good idea, uh, but I'm not going to lie. I'm so sick of it. And I it <laughs> that I'm praying I can get through the last little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the big things. And then honestly, like the nonprofit, you know, I, that's really consumed so much of me. Um, you know, through 2020, I was petrified that, you know, we wouldn't make it. I mean, we are super small. We're grassroots. We're hundred percent volunteer based. Um, and it's really just about good people doing good things for other people. That's all it is. Um, but you know, just the community that we've built within it and just bringing people from all, again, all over the world together. Uh, like you said, like-minded people, um, you know, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty powerful for me. Um, that's definitely fueling all this other crazy stuff. You know, I, I have huge pride in the fact that to this day, I'm still, you know, the biggest donor to my own nonprofit. But you know, hey, I, I, I believe in it, and I believe in the people that that um, you know I cross paths with.
0: Yeah, but that's that's what's special about it, though, is you you put your money where your mouth is, and I think that's what's yeah. different about you and maybe a lot of other nonprofits. I mean, there's plenty of people out there. There's, I think, there's like what a million and one veteran organizations now in the United yeah. States. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's and that's accurate. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's not even throwing numbers anymore. That's just probably (laughs) super accurate at this point, but it's, I I talk about this often and and I don't know if you hear me ramble about it, but I say it all the time. It's like, we have so many really great individuals that are doing so many incredible things with organizations. And yet we, we, we can't seem to get ourselves together. You know, I just feel like if we all sat down in one room, certain people for like a weekend, and just hammered out a legitimate plan. We could overtake not only the VA and everything that it does wrong, but we could fix ourselves so much more from the inside out. Absolutely. No, I'm absolutely on board with that. So you went through something that you went through that a lot. I, I did talk a lot about is, is the over, over prescription, over prescribed of medication.
1: Yeah. Oh man. You know, I, I, I pride myself now that, you know, I, I, I've been off of pain meds and everything else for, for a long time. Um, but when I was in the hospital, um, you know, I went two two years of being at Naval Medical Center, San Diego. So Balboa for anybody who knows it. Um, and it was such bullshit. I mean, the concoction of medicines that were they were putting me on, um, we're talking combining night terror medicine, which obviously regulates like your blood pressure on other sleeping medications with uh, other psychotrophics on top of, a laundry list of narcotics, you know, and, and everything was fine. You know, every morning I would wake up and I'd be, be mixing Klonopin with Adderall for crying out loud. And it's just like, well, why weren't doctors talking to each other? Um, And, and again, I don't, I don't want to over-speculate as to their why, or if it was total negligence or again, malpractice from I'll the start. I'll speculate or... all
0: day long for you. Yeah. It's yeah. a pharmacist. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dollars to them. That's why that's yep. not a speculation. That's a, a fucking number. reality. Yep. Yep. It's all a number. Um,
1: and I'll be the first to go ahead and say that that's probably where. Uh, again, like, like when I tried to kill myself and my dad came to me, you know, I mean, I won't lie. My whole family has, you know, dealt with like alcoholism and stuff like that. Um, but when my dad came to me after my suicide attempt and he, like, he again, busted my ass and, and put me in my place pretty quick. Now, like I was binge drinking, but I was binge dr- drinking and taking all these medic medications as well, which is terrible but it was also like silence my own brain. You know, it was like, I'm already doing all this. I'm already fucking confused. This numbs it. And so it's just like, just like this huge snowball effect. Um, and so for like, there's no doubt in my mind that when my dad came to me and said all this shit and mind you, I'm already in the emergency room time and time again for this stupid stuff. Um, you know, when he came to me and he was telling me this in 2013, 14, and then I went cold Turkey and I like, I stopped drinking. I stopped, you know, everything like, that's when everything again started to spiral, you know, cause then it's like, well, now I have to deal with real life. As you were saying, you know, like now I can't distract myself anymore. Now I can't numb myself. Now I actually have to face all of these problems and I have to figure out what my purpose is going to be on top of all of this because I'm no longer a Marine. Um, and so, I mean, that's why it's like, it's just so frustrating to me because instead of, you know, my healing never took place within four walls of a hospital, never, whether it was the mental side, the emotional side, like the physical side, honestly, it never did like everything that, I the outdoors treated me the outdoors treated me and my support system did because when I was actually able like able to and sober enough to be able to sit down and have those hard uncomfortable awkward conversations with your loved ones or your friends or other marines or again like-minded people that's when I got better up here and in here and then physically like hell I didn't even know I was never even trained to like really use my prosthetic until I actually started walking around outside and busting my ass on rocks and twigs and sticks so for me it's just like everything is so traditional. Everything is, like you said, like big pharma. I mean, even the, oh, I could go on a tangent about how like even prosthetic industry is the same way. You're for it. It's like, well, so again, like we are just numbers, you know, nobody, nobody wants you to get better because if you're getting better then guess what, nobody's pockets are being lined. So for me, like I'm really, really sick of like the traditional methods of treating patients. And then again, just whatever their therapies look like. I never once benefited from sitting across from a table or desk rather from a guy who read about what I was dealing with in a book. I got better by talking to people who had experienced the same things that I did, learned from what they've been through, shared swap experiences, and again, taking advice and feedback from them. That's when I got better. Um, So, you know, if I was in charge of the hospitals and different, you know, departments, like that's what I would be doing. But again, nobody, nobody really wants you to get better.
0: Well, you're not the only one who says that. I had a gentleman on uh, Keegan Keegan Gill. He's an F-18 Super Hornet pilot with the fastest ejection in naval history. His episode came out last week. The guy ran the 4 by 4 by 48 with me uh, a few weekends ago down in Texas on a nice. com- like completely rebuilt body, was never going to walk again, nothing. And when they put him in a psych ward and he refused the medication because it was making him worse, they would hit him with that, um, starts with an eight, like Hepnol or it's anyway, it, anyway, he's like, it is worse than torture. It is anybody who gives that to someone should have to experience that. And if you just said, no, these are making me worse. They would just drug you or they would electroshock you or some people seals included. They would just do lobotomies on that's a battle Creek in Michigan. Yeah. What are we doing to our humans? It's disgusting. I just I it, I talk about it because I think if if more people screamed about it, then maybe we would have a, a change in a conversation. But I, but I don't know, I don't know how else to do it because. I want to understand why they think it's acceptable to over medicate and, and, and it really comes down to dollars. There is no other reason. That's not a right, there is no right way to over medicate someone. They just do it. But I always wonder why, especially when you have these doctors in military hospitals, like you spend so much time in a lot of these people have either been in, had family in. I just, I mean, is there, is there something I'm missing because I've never been in these hospitals? I honestly think it's just the easy way out. And it's because humans are lazy
1: and flat out humans are lazy. And we've also been trained to not give a shit. Like there's, uh, there's two sides of this really like leaving work at work, you know don't bring work home with you. But if you're half-assing your work from nine to five and then you stop giving a shit about what you're doing or your patients when you go home. And then it's just like this vicious, nasty cycle. Of course, no one's going to get better because you're going to do the same thing that you did for Bill, you're gonna do the same thing for Jill. You know, everyone's going to get treated the same. getting away with it no one's being reprimanded so that that's the new norm like you got comfortable or they got comfortable and they don't have to keep trying nobody wants to give or i don't say nobody wants to give most providers don't want to give that one-on-one like custom care that a lot of people need don't get me wrong if i walk in and i have a very obvious open break or you know send me go fix it do the surgery do whatever but for these people, are individuals who really need specific, tailored care. You know, people may be suffering from a traumatic brain injury or PTSD. Like that takes time, energy, and effort, and people aren't willing to give that for the man or woman that sand on their left or their right anymore. Um, and I don't want to say they're not passionate about what they do, but I mean it's the same thing with like teachers right now. Like you have oh. to have the right people in the right places. You know, like I can very vividly remember the two teachers that actually made a solid impact on my life, and the rest were just fucking there. Like, and I feel like that's the same thing with, with a lot of medical care providers, specifically in, um, you know, military medicine and Mm -hmm. well, and I'll even like be more specific is just the VA hospitals. I mean, I'm, I'm knock on wood. I'm very lucky for the majority of my care. Now I, I'll either pay out of pocket for, or I, you know, I got kicked over to community care so I can see somebody out in town at least. Um, Yeah. And like I said, I don't want to beat up on the, like, Some people have the VA too much, but it really comes down to that, you know.
0: No. And I just, I think the reason I bring it up is not to like bum out or have that kind of conversation, but I think there's a reality that a lot of people who have never been in the system don't understand. Listen, if you are taught how to use the VA properly and it's just for grants for schooling and things like that, those things are a different type of conversation. If you're coming home from a combat injury, you're dealing with a major injury that's life or death. You're dealing with a different type of provider and you might be lucky enough to get the good case manager, or you might get the person who's become comfortable and complacent. And that's really what I think it comes down to, right?
1: Absolutely. Well There's, and again, I mean even even then, with the VA, like if, if the person or if the person who's looking at your paper one day is having a bad day, guess what? You're about to have a real bad day and it's gonna last for a long
0: time. <laughs> um,
1: and that and I mean that honestly comes down to the luck of the draw and that's yeah. really sad.
0: It is. I mean, I, I, I'd be great. I'm, I'm grateful to say that at least you guys have a full on government funded VA. As of now, Canada has farmed out 60% of its VA Uh-oh. patients to a, ready? Insurance company called Manulife.
1: Oh, great.
0: (laughs) They send PIs to follow you. You know how I know? Because they did it to me. It was fun. Um, I digress. Uh, It was funny how you brought up teachers, though, because there was a really great individual that was on Rogan recently, and he's called Sad Guru. And he was discussing and he talked about teachers in a way that I thought was fucking perfection. He was literally saying, I was a curious kid. So they told me focus on the teacher. But all the teacher ever was, was noise. Because what I realized, what was coming out of their mouth was not... Was not anything of value to me because I was going to put my own perception on what it meant anyway. So I just stared at them, and I paid attention to them in a way that they've never been paid attention to, and they didn't like it. So I just think it's interesting because you're right, teachers. Did you listen to that by chance? I don't know, but I was just having this conversation with my mom though, so that's why it's so funny. Okay like, it was an incredible episode, just really fantastic human being. Um, But it was just, it was a beautiful way to hear him speak about things like education coming from India and just, you know, having that like teachers were there just for noise. They were there to reverberate. And I have a child in kindergarten now and dear God, is that ever accurate? The only difference between the United States and Canada is you are protecting your children from being told what gender they can be. And ours are telling you what they can and cannot do. That is the difference. So don't worry. You're on your way. <laughs> don't have kids and you won't have to deal. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh man. But it's true. I think, you know, we've, we've become complacent and I think it's, a. Uh... I think it's perfectly okay to discuss because I think when we finally realize that we've become lazy, complacent, and comfortable, and we finally make it known enough, that's when we and the rest of the people who are like-minded can make the change because we're all aware, we're all conscious. And now it's about what do we do to fix and make those things better and and not allow this any longer. So I, I like to speak about these things because I think it gives people an honest reality, a, tr- a real look into what's going on. It's not a, hi, welcome to the show. Tell me what your favorite thing ever is, Kirstie. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, well, I mean, and I appreciate that too. Because like you said, I mean, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to hear. It's it's one yeah. of those things. It's out of sight, out of mind. Um, ignorance is bliss. Um, and so to have these conversations about what's really going on, I think it's, I think it's important. I mean, other, like you said, otherwise nothing's going to change. You're not oh. going to be seen. You're definitely not going to be heard.
0: No. Oh God, no. And the, don't be too loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that actually. <laughs> don't you be too loud. Don't you shake those feathers. Cause you know what happens if you do that? Reddit starts. So don't do that. <laughs> Fuck. I, Reddit. Starts. I, I posted something on getter last night and I put it on the Instagram and it was uh made sure to check Reddit today to make sure I was still a good person. <laughs> had to be sure. so accurate. <laughs> oh, <it's bad. laughs> oh, I know you're laughing because you know, you know, I know you know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Because yeah. you and I have been in the same position, so I know you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's that's a good time. <laughs> um, so I saw that you also do something that's really great, um, and I want to touch on, because I know so many people have reached out to the show and, and reached out to myself about hunting and, um, the, you know, you get the mix, you get the money <laughs> you need to hunt because you can just get it from the grocery store or you get the, you should 150% know how to hunt because the world is going to end. Where do yeah. you lie oh, yeah. here? Where? Oh man. Well, I mean, I have my whole, my house
1: is like the house of death. You remember, you remember um, Ace Ventura, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously you can see my two schools here, but literally, I mean, there's one, two, there's a 12 foot alligator on my floor. There's I'm probably looking at another 12, 15 skulls afro- across from me. I remember um, that
0: photo you posted and you had our, you had our buddy check bracelet on and we yeah. posted it and someone was like, murder. And I said, I didn't <laughs> kill it. <I> She's <laughs> wearing a bracelet. What?
1: <laughs> Thanks no, for that. Well, well, so if you ever get bored, definitely go on my Instagram and scroll through all my, like my animal photos. And you'll, <laughs> you'll like, I've been berated and called every name in the book. Like God shouldn't have spared you. All, like all sorts of just crazy nonsense, and and so I'll be like, this is gonna sound a little sappy, and um, I personally it. do, yeah. Well, so growing up, my my favorite animal was a cow, um, which again, bad that there's a you know cow skull on my wall now. But you know, growing up, my favorite animal was a cow, and you know, I never really wanted to eat something that was bred to die. And it, did I know why? No, not really. I just like cows. Um, and then like as I got older, I started exploring like different ways. You know, I ate, I ate everything else for sure. And now, like, I'm in a position where, like, I find great pride in, and again, harvesting an animal that isn't bred to die. You know, I, I'm a provider. I can grow out and I can harvest an animal. I can, I can process it. I can butcher it. I can do it all myself. Um, and so when you come over, like, you, who knows what you're going to get. You might get bison. You might get elk. You might get, uh, you might get alligator. All sorts of stuff. And I think that there, there's a beauty to that. Um, you know, I know for a fact. Where where every animal's from, you know. I know that I lived a long, healthy life. Um, I know that I'm, you know, a part of co- conservation. You know, I'm taking out either, you know, something weak from a herd, or you know, taking out the pack leader from the herd. And like, I'm giving like herds the opportunity to be able to reproduce and thrive and grow, you know, to bigger and better numbers. So, for me, like, I'm all about it. I mean, you also know that like I have a lovely like like weapons collection. I am like. I, I am love totally violence. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. how's it death? It's fine. No violence I mean, I like-
0: death. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think there's just like there is just something um very rewarding about being able to do that. And I think there's um again it's something traditional and I think uh, just being able to to know where my where my meat's coming from and then to be able to to put it on a plate and, and really provide and take care of loved ones, friends and family. Um, do I think that you have to do it? No. But I also think you're ignorant as all hell if you think that there's a meat tree out there. <laughs> like that doesn't happen that way. Like if you like, oh like, so you made the comment about a grocery store. I mean, I, I like just blows my mind. Like, where the hell do you think these things come from? <laughs> like oh. like a factory? No. And I don't know. You know, Vancouver's and people, the best. What, what was that? Vancouver's the best. Oh, I bet. I absolutely bet. Mm-hmm. But, But that's my whole thing too. It's like, I mean, you're willing to put that into your body and you have no clue what it is. At least I know what I'm putting on the table. So. Right.
0: Well, no, I appreciate
1: that. Well, again, like I I also recognize the fact that it would be, it it is hard to to take the life of anything. Um, But again, like if you go out there and you're doing it, you know, an ethical and respectful way and you're not going out there and killing the little ones from the herd, then yeah. I mean, I think it's, I honestly think it's the route to go. Um, and again, I don't expect everybody to do it, but I do think it's a skill set that people should be aware of. And it should be something that the rest of the population actually has a respect for because there aren't a lot of people that want to go forth and and do the work to be able to to provide like that.
0: Well, it's, the, it's you know, a lot of people, what is it... Um... Uh, what's the complacency quote? Of course, I can't remember it right now. I'll get there. Um, but it's my point is, it's like, we've gotten so complacent that it's just so much easier, right? And the the ease of things for people is really where it lies. It's like, I really believe a lot of people in their minds would love to go do that, but then they got to learn to hunt. They got to get a guide. They actually got to go. They got to carry the animal. They got to get it processed. They got to do all of these different things. And a lot of people just don't even know where to start or how to become educated in that. So if, if you were going to give people a direction to even go, hey, you want to go kill something, feed yourself, where would you even start? I, I would honestly find a friend. I mean, I
1: mean that's how, how I fell into it in the first place is, you know, I was intrigued by the whole concept of it, like you said. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's time consuming. But you have to go out there and you actually have to be a part of it. You have to be hands on from the get go. Um, because if you get out there and it's something that you know that you, there's no way in hell you're going to be able to do on your own and independently, you have no business being out there in the first place so I would honestly say find a friend go out and experience the process even if that means just going out and sitting in the woods for 12 hours and being miserable Um, but experience the entire process for yourself and then if it's something that you're like you know what I could be passionate about this um, then I would say experience a hunter safety course I know here for in Colorado for a fact there's two parts of it there's obviously like the book test but then they also do like kind of like a prac app thing so it does expose you to weapons handling and the likes of that nature um because there's a lot of people out there that maybe they don't know um uh, the method by which they want to, to hunt maybe some want to use a crossbow maybe some want to use uh, a bow maybe some want to use a rifle muzzle loader. there's so many different ways to hunt um so then explore just the, the different options that you have available and, and of course look at the look at the areas and the access that you even have like if you live in new york city hate to say it you probably aren't going to be a hunter <laughs> you know but no where else there's <laughs> yeah. um, what you get exactly and so yeah i mean see if it's attainable and, and make sure that it's something that you're going to be passionate about because if you don't have a respect for the animal or a love for the outdoors you shouldn't be out there again um and i don't think there, again i don't think there's anything wrong with that but we've also fostered this culture of you know instant gratification and you know, if you're the kind of person that you don't want to put the time energy or effort into it just keep going to the grocery store
0: yeah, it's just not for you. Don't try. Yeah. you're gonna break yeah. your ankle like twenty minutes in. We're yeah. gonna have to call search yeah. and rescue. You're gonna scare all the elk away. It's gonna yeah. be a thing. Don't be that guy. Yep. Yeah. You like how I said that guy? Yeah, no, that guy. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fucking fantastic, dude. I love it. I love it so much. So what's what's next? What's what's coming in the next future? Like in the next like immediate six to twelve months, do we expect from you?
1: Um, actually, so I'm trying, um, so again, there's going to be a ton of stuff with the nonprofit, but one of the things I'm looking at right now, um, is doing a climb called Amadablam. It's about 24,000 feet. It's over in the Himalaya. And again, this is all fucking COVID dependent. And if I can get over to (laughs) get get around the world again, um, but there's two big climbs over in the Himalaya that I want to do. Um, one's called Manaslu. It's actually one of the 8,000 meter peaks. Um, those are, those are like my big athletic endeavors. And then hopefully fingers crossed by November. I'll actually have um, my plan for the Continental Divide, um, so the Great Divide ride. It's a 2,600 mile transcontinental mountain bike ride. Uh, so I'd basically start up in Canada and then end in Mexico. So definitely stay tuned for all of that. Some more crazy endurance, uh, ridiculous suffering that. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to to being able to take part of. Um, and then yeah, like I said, I mean I keep harping on this damn doctorate. It doesn't sound that entertaining, but I really want to be done with that. So that's going to take up yeah quite a bit from me.
0: Hey, I support the bike ride as long as you're wearing a neck brace. Cause we don't need you to be paralyzed. <laughs> Noted. Just saying, I, I yeah. like, I know a guy, so yeah. be fine. <laughs> just, just need you to be able to just get through that. Can we just get through that yeah. without like breaking something else? That'd be ideal. Oh, well, I can, I mean, I can keep going now because now I also want to do seven marathons, seven continents, seven
1: days, logistical nightmare. We're going to make that one happen now. Right. Um, and then I actually, um, want to go back to the UK, um, and do an and swim in swim, the English channel. So kind of figure out a way to bridge, bridge that gap again, um, and, and really raise a lot of awareness for, again, um, you know, this bringing people together around the world who fought hand in hand and, um, you know, we fought together. We should, we deserve to be able to heal together. Um, and everybody receive the same quality care. I said, what said, True.
0: I know, I know what it. it's like, uh, United States, you know, there's, there's an abundance of vets and groups and things like that in Canada, we're a little more spread out. We don't really have it. And then in the UK, they don't, they really, they really don't fucking have it working with those boys. I've seen how they're treated I've seen what they go through afterward. And I'm glad that you bring up and respect the British in the way that I do, because they're not often spoke about the way that they should be because they're absolute beasts, absolute, Um, absolute beasts. hundred percent. Yeah. That makes me really, really happy. Um, so how does how does anyone go and support the nonprofit? How does anyone go and support the endeavors that you want to do? Also, can I just point out the fact that you might as well just do these as triathlons? Because why the fuck are you splitting up the swim, the bike, and the run? <laughs> like I'm I'm catching on to something here, and I'm not understanding.
1: Glutton for punishment for sure. Okay.
0: Cool. <laughs> just like wanted said, to check. Just addicted to that suffering
1: aspect of all of it. <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah. I mean, if you guys want to check out what the. So the nonprofit's name is the Kirsten S foundation, real, real original. I know. Um, but if you want to check out what we're doing, it's just Kirsten foundation.com. Um, you can follow along uh, on Instagram and Facebook as well with the foundation. And, and we really are doing some, some pretty amazing things. Everything from, uh, collecting the m- mobility devices and prosthetics, recycling them, um, and then refurbishing them and sending them all around the world, uh, specifically the countries that I climb in. Um, and then just following along with the recreational therapy clinics is pretty, uh, pretty awesome what some of these individuals are able to accomplish and learn literally in a week and then to watch what they go for, um, go on and, and tackle. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a pretty special thing to be a part of. And then me personally, if you want to follow along with all my nonsense, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and it's just my name, Christiana. So, um, yeah, it's always something that's for
0: sure. Okay. Always something is, is something to look forward to. That's the thing, right? <laughs> there's no more, there's no complacency. There's no boring, like, look at my hair. Like there's real reality. Like there's, there's things worth watching. There's value there. There's education there. There's tools there. There's resources there. And so it's a good follow. You're a good follow. You're a good person. And I'm, I'm glad that we could finally get this done. So thank you for coming yes. on the show, darling. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me no worries. All right. Well, everyone else, we did it. We got her there. Are you happy? We <laughs> did it. Cool. We will see you all next week. Kirsty, stick along with me here.